Hey, how's it going? It's Bill Gardner from the Deep End Games, and you are listening to The Night Nerd. Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Monday, so we're going to talk some video games. All week, we were really excited to welcome Sebastian Major from Our Fake History on the show. We're going to break down some myths, the urban legends, all sorts of stuff, and just kind of hang out and talk about some of our favorite things. So make sure you go check out his podcast, available everywhere. Just look for Our Fake History. And without further ado, let's get into it. All right, we're here with Sebastian Major from Our Fake History. Sebastian, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're super glad uh, you're here. You're with Our Fake History. Tell us a little bit about that show and the awesomeness that it brings to people's ears. (laughs) Uh, Well, first, thank you. Uh, But uh, Our Fake History is a podcast about historical myths. So I look at stories from the past that people think are true and often get repeated as history, but they may not be 100% accurate. I also look at uh, legends that people think are completely fictional, like uh, the story of King Arthur or uh, the story of the Trojan War, and I investigate if there's a kernel of historical truth hiding behind the myths. So that is our fake history. Nice. Yeah, I know there's been a few episodes I've listened to that I don't want to say crushed me, but I was like, oh, I was wrong about that my whole life. I thought that was a real thing, and now it's not. Yeah, well, you know what? The spirit of my show, I hope, isn't to be sort of a uh, uh, an oppressive know-it-all, uh, because there's nothing worse than having someone be like, well, actually... Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to be that. Uh, if anything, I want to kind of celebrate the the weird stories, the fun that, it, that that historical myths are, and then also sort of teach people how to do proper historical research and how to sort of suss out uh, what's fact and what's fiction. And so I think there's there's something there for people that actually love the stories, and I do. Like I'm someone that actually really likes a lot of the the humbug that's out there, the, the, the legends, I'm totally into it. Um, but hopefully I'm also showing people that there's a way to be sort of a historical detective and, uh, and figure things out for themselves. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Later on in the week, we're really going to deep dive into it. But today I wanted to talk about some myths of video games. You know, video games are a recent phenomenon. I mean, in the last hundred years, you know, especially in the last 40 years, really. But in that short amount of time, and I think part of that is because of playground talk and then the internet, there's a lot of rumors and myths around video games. And I'm not talking like the the political, they make you violent, all that kind of stuff. I'm talking like naked Tomb Raiders and the sex in GTA and Mario stuff. I, sure. I think, though, the biggest... What everyone thought was a myth, and this is one of those everyone thought was a myth, is the E.T. in the desert in New Mexico. Uh, Have you heard that story? I have. I haven't. There was actually a documentary done about that story that uh, I believe was on Netflix, but I've I've watched the documentary all about it. Yeah. It's funny. Microsoft made it. Yeah, but then, yeah, they sold it to Netflix. It was weird when that was when Microsoft was going to have a whole TV division and 
we saw how well that worked out. But for those of you listening that don't know, back in the big Atari boom in the early 80s, there was an E.T. game. And I've covered it uh, before on the show. You can go back and listen to it. They made this game. They made it in like two weeks to tie into the movie. So you get what you pay for in that time. And it was horrible. So bad that it almost killed the video game industry. And so there was always this rumor that they took them all smushed them and buried them in a desert yeah. in New Mexico. And yeah, what, one of my roommates actually had an old Atari that was still working and like in our mid twenties and uh, he had the ET game. So I've actually played that Atari ET game and the legend is true. It sucks. <laughs> it is barely playable. So I can understand how this uh, urban myth got going. Yeah. It, and then they come come to find out it was true. You know, I remember growing up like thinking, oh, somewhere out in the desert, there's all these video games just waiting to be played. And the <laughs> the truth of it was, though, it was other games. You know, it was all these different Atari games. And it's uh, just, I think that's a really neat example of like what you do on your show of, yeah, there there is some truth here and here is the real truth. And sometimes the truth is, is stranger or, you know, than the fiction, because yeah. who would think something like that would be a thing? Well, I think what's the most wild part of that story is that when they started to excavate this dump, hundreds of people turned up in the middle of the desert to see if the game was there, right? The fact that there's this community of hardcore video game fans that wanted to see the garbage and were like, we know it's there, and, and that myth meant something to them, that means way more to me than the fact that Atari happened to dump a bunch of garbage in this in this one particular waste site. Uh, because I think the story ultimately tells us that like, yeah, Atari didn't just dump all the ET games. They dumped a bunch of trash there. In the mix, there happened to be some ET games. So it wasn't just like, oh, we hate this ET game. It's been our ruin. We're going to dump it all in the desert. No, they were just dumping a bunch of trash. But what's more incredible is that that meant something to people. And I I think it's sort of a testament to how much people care about video games. And uh, I think that's something that, you know, for people probably that listen to this podcast and anyone out there that's a gamer, I mean, that goes without saying that, you know, these... These games are important to people's identity, but I think it's something that the world at large is still kind of waking up to, uh, how essential this form of media has been to people. And that little event, I think, really illustrates it. Yeah, I think they even had, like, the creator come out or and, like a former president of Atari. I mean, they made a big deal out of it. And I think that's, like you said, that's really neat. That shows the passion that gamers have. You know, there's always this reputation of, People just yelling in the microphone and yeah. uh, bad sports on Call of Duty, you know, and everything. But that, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a different age, but I thought it would have been cool to go. You know, New Mexico's not super far from where I'm at, but sure. it would have been neat. But there's also some other rumors in video games. Uh, do you have any favorite ones, like from when you were younger, that you heard on the playground? No. The one that I think is the the weirdest video game urban myth is the Polybius myth. Do you know this one? I don't think I do. 
Oh, dude, this is this is the best one. So this is from the early days of arcade games. And the story goes that there was this game that turned up just in the Pacific Northwest in the United States, around like Portland, Seattle area. Uh, and the game was called Polybius. And it was apparently super addictive. The people that played it got obsessed with it. Um, but then they started exhibiting really strange behavior. Uh, they started having horrible nightmares. Some of them started having suicidal thoughts, and apparently someone even attempted suicide. And the story goes that these, this game got serviced a lot more than other games, and it was always uh, men in black suits who looked like they could be you know, FBI agents or something like that would come in and and take data from the game, but they would always leave the coins, which was sort of uh, curious. And then within a few months, this game was gone. And so the story is that this game was a plant by the US government as a mind control device, or at least a mind control experiment uh, along the lines of MK Ultra. What do you think of that one? Man, that's... I'm not surprised on either end, like on the, the real or the fake of that. It shows how even in those days, video games had that sprawl out there that, you know, they could be tied to government conspiracies and everything like that. It's not just Miss Pac-Man going around. It's like, oh no, this is the government chasing us down and eating us and stuff. And I think that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, we are just the dots. and <laughs> They are just the, the hungry mouth. Um, but uh, this really does look like it was a pure myth. And in fact, it looks like it was something that was invented on the internet uh, in the late nineties. It's the first time we see any, uh, uh, tales about the Polybius machine and no one anywhere has ever actually seen a real Polybius machine. Now there have been a number of hoax machines that have been made by video game fans uh, around the world as, as a way to sort of prank people. Uh, but the Polybius machine does not seem to have ever existed. And what they think is that this story actually cobbled together a few real things. Like one, we do know that MKUltra, even though it sounds like it should be a completely fake thing, there is real like freedom of information documents out there that shows that uh, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, the American government was sort of dabbling in uh, mind control experiments. Um, and I know that sounds totally conspiracy and it's not usually my bag, but I mean, that's one where the documents are there. Um, but the Polybius machine definitely didn't exist. Uh, there was a game uh, that was made by Atari that was apparently a really difficult sort of uh, a geometrical kind of puzzle game that did actually cause seizures in kids back in the 80s. That might be the root of the myth. Um, but also it just goes to an old anxiety that video games are not only like rotting the brains of the youth, but are being used to control their minds. And I think we still see this, um, uh, this anxiety in, in uh, right now in 2019. Um, but this anxiety goes right back to the eighties when kids were going to public places to play video games. There was even a worry then that, you know, kids were getting addicted to these things or that maybe there were messages in these games that parents couldn't understand. 
Uh, and then this urban myth sort of takes it to the next level where it's like, oh, no, they were trying to create, you know, super soldiers or some sort of uh, zombies out of the citizenry. So I like that one. You know, I think it's interesting that that one. Well, one thing that you always said is the longer it takes for somebody to mention it, the l more likely that it's not true. But yeah. right now, you know, we know again, this is something we know is that they use video games not only in recruitment of soldiers, but in training of soldiers. So yes. I could see where that could definitely be a myth that could come back around and be like, oh, look, that was not only testing for mind control, but seeing if they could use video games to train soldiers and things. So that I, I, I hadn't heard that, but that's pretty awesome. I want to try and track down like one of those fake ones and find some pictures of that. I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think what's interesting about, I, I think a lot of things are interesting, if you haven't noticed. Uh, yeah, we sure. play a little drinking game where just you drink when I say interesting. But <laughs> with the recentness of games, you know, people are able to kind of retroactively be like, oh yeah, that, that is what I meant. And one of my favorite examples of that is Super Mario Brothers 3, which mm. there was always, it always had that really weird opening scene with the curtains and everybody... As a kid, I was like, that doesn't fit. Even when I was younger, I was like, that's not in continuity. That doesn't make sense. And now they're like, oh, well, we meant that as a play. That's them telling the story of Mario 1 and what here in the States is Mario the Lost Levels, but in Japan was Mario 2 and everything. And that's... Well, how do you feel about people, I guess, going back and retroactively making a myth true? Because that's not something you can do with your topics on your show. It's like you're not going to have uh, Houdini show up and be like, oh, no, I meant for that to be a fraud or I meant for that to be this. With the Internet and stuff, You know, how, how does that affect modern myths, do you feel like? Uh, well, I think what it sort of shows us is that we will tell stories about anything that we engage with for long enough. And I am the exact right age that Mario 3 was a big deal in my life. <laughs> I, I don't know how many hours I spent playing Mario 3. And I think in those early uh, video games where, you know, the, the storylines were just sort of suggested, they weren't sort of writ large like today's, uh, you know, uh, very elaborate sort of narrative games uh you had to imagine a lot and so you'd go okay now i'm in big world i wonder what the story of big world is and you imagine it right and even something so small like uh i can I, the, the the curtains open up at the beginning can sort of give birth to some or it inspires someone's imagination people want to connect dots people want to create stories and clearly, I don't know who originally sort of put that all together. I, I remember reading that online, too, that someone was like, Mario 3 is a stage play, and here's how we know, and here's all the evidence. And then I guess one of the creators obviously read it and was like, you did it. You've discovered my, my grand plan. Um, and I, I think he may, maybe he did always intend it to be a stage play, or maybe he just read a very convincing argument and was like, why not embrace this, right? If people have um, have uh, engaged with my art on that level, why shut them down? Let this myth myth thrive. It's completely harmless. 
So uh, I, I chalk that up to uh, human beings just really wanting to tell stories and really wanting to tell stories about something they've engaged with for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's kind of a, a reward, you know. Video games are where we got Easter eggs and yeah. things coming back. Uh, that's Oh, man. And remember how exciting it was when you realized you could, like, go behind the little black screen at the end of a stage mm-hmm. uh, in Mario 3 and being like, I know a secret of the universe. You know, that was so cool. My, my favorite one that I always told my friend, because I, I had, like, the Nintendo Power Strategy Guide for it and everything. The yeah. When you played the game, the one of the mini games where you had to line up the mushrooms, the stars, and the plants, there was a little one single black pixel that ticked in. And if you watched it, you could time it just right. And and that was that was always my like cool brag. It was like, hey, yeah, you watch that pixel. When it hits right there, you hit A, and it's going to line up that star every single time. And, yeah, man, I'm getting five lives every time. Oh, hit it at a 45-degree angle when you jump? Yeah, all of those. That, <laughs> we're totally cool. not showing our ages right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but, man, those games have uh, stood the test of time because they were, you know, really well done. They were really fun. They were really playable. And, you know, I've got a... A young, a very young kid right now. My baby's only nine months, but I'm looking forward to, you know, showing him those really uh, simple early Nintendo games because I think he'll be able to engage with them before he'll be able to engage with, you know, what modern video gaming is right now. And uh, like, I can't. Also, I also can't wait to play Mario Kart 64 with him, which is another of my go-to's. Yeah. Uh, but that was like teenage years, like just. Mario Kart over and over and over. So, there you go. Yeah, my four-year-old, we bought him a little miniature Miss Pac-Man arcade. It's like six inches tall, eight inches tall, and he loves that thing. Um, So, it's all about passing on that that legacy in the gaming. But, yes, there's a lot of really neat myths in video games, and we just hit on a, a few, but they're out there, It's and they just keep going. Even with these new games, people are taking the little Easter eggs and making mountains out of molehills to the opposite point where creators are like, no, that's just a poster. But you do get like the Destiny poster that was in Halo Reach. You get the Assassin's Creed posters that leak future games that are in Watch Dogs, things like that. And I just, I think it's a really cool medium for all of those. And there's a lot of really great myths and truths out there and we would love to know some of your favorite ones if you're listening and you have a cool myth that we didn't touch on or talk about please by all means drop us a line here below on soundcloud or on social media uh, sebastian where can they find you out there on the internet you can find me on twitter at our fake history uh you can go to the website where you can see all my past episodes and all the great episode art uh that's done by my artist frank fiorentino that's ourfakehistory.com super easy to remember uh or you can go to my facebook page and you can talk to me there facebook.com slash our fake history yeah and it's totally worth it uh we were talking off mic before we started recording that it is a very bingeable show, and I, Thanks, I love it, and it's great. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show today. I look forward to the rest of the week. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Thanks, man. I think we're off to a great start. <laughs>